Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Chad. And I'm Evan. And you are listening to our recap and discussion of The Wind Through the Keyhole, book 4.5 of the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. Yes, it is book 4.5, but we are reading this after reading the entire series because I went on to the Dark Tower subreddit and thought I might be able to find a, a coherent answer on where to read this book. And there's just a total flame war in there about what to actually do. And uh, the, the, the answer that I kind of settled on that I saw a lot was if it's your first time reading the series, save went through the keyhole for last because the absolute punch in the stomach that is the last book it's kind of nice to have the went through the keyhole to kind of revisit some of these characters he's out of it yeah exactly and then on a reread which i didn't do this time obviously because we're, we're doing this together but on a reread it's recommended you read it where it's supposed to be which is right after wizard and glass after they leave the emerald city thing and deal with the tiktok man and stuff and they're on their way to Calabrin sturgis so i didn't really know that was exactly where this book was taking place and i was so happy when i first started it to see eddie jake oi susanna and roland mm. just walking along talking to each other i loved it I, I was so excited to see all of them again and i'm so happy that i followed the advice of wait until you're finished with the whole series and then go back and be with those characters again because man it, it was so great you nailed it. Uh, you led us through Cy Evan, Cy Like Him. Uh, that sounds nice. I like Yeah, it does. This was the perfect like easing out of the story that I needed. It felt a little too abrupt. And like, yes, I would be and still am, will be thinking about this for the next few years. But it was a nice off ramp. And also, I'm glad I didn't read it during the story because it would have just distracted me from the story. And I was in it at that point. So I think we nailed it. Now, I know this is the first time you've read it. So I'm really excited to ask you for the first time ever of these books. How did you like this book, Evan? I'm super happy to answer that question. And of course, to ask you some of my own. So let's just get right into the recap. Let's do it. The story begins with the Katet just leaving the Emerald City. They are traveling towards Thunderclap and along the beam of the bear. As they get closer, they meet an old man named Bix, who seems to have a previous affiliation with Oi. Bix then warns them about an upcoming Stark Blast and warns them to find shelter. He takes them on a raft across a river blocking their path. After they leave, they seek out shelter and find an abandoned town. There they explore the town hall and figure it's good enough for their needs. They then start to make preparations to get ready and wash off. Jake and Roland continue retrieving wood to make sure they have enough warmth so they can survive the storm, and Eddie and Susanna wash off as the Stark Blast rolls in. Oi is stuck outside, and Jake barely grabs him before he is flung into the town hall by Roland. They decide to pass the time that Roland should tell a story, and he obliges. Shortly after killing his mother and the whole incident in Hambury, Roland has to go to Debaria with a fellow gunslinger, Jamie DeCurry. They are to stop a rampaging skin man. When they get to the town, they are disrespected by most of the citizens. They work with the sheriff to figure out some leads, but have none. Later that night, a farm is attacked by the skin man. Everyone is dead except for a young boy named Bill Streeter. Bill's father was killed by the skin man, who took the shape of a giant bear. They find tracks and figure out one important fact, that the skin man can ride a horse and that he is a miner. They then learn that he has a tattoo of a blue ring around his ankle. 
After this, Roland takes a young Bill with him to the town jail and calms him down and tells him a story called The Wind Through the Keyhole. The story starts with a boy named Tim Ross who suffers a tragedy when his father, Big Ross, is killed by a dragon. A few months later, his mother, Nell, marries his father's best friend, Big Kells, so they can pay the Covenant Man their yearly taxes. Things start going wrong when Big Kells begins to abuse Tim's mom. It starts to get worse until tax time comes and the Covenant Man gives Tim a magical key that can open any lock. Tim opens Big Kell's chest and finds his father's axe and his father's lucky coin. Enraged, Tim goes to talk to the Covenant Man who is in the Endless Forest. Once he gets there, the Covenant Man shows him the body of his father in a river and shows a vision of Big Kells beating his mother until she is blind. After this, Tim runs home and checks on his mother, who is aided by his teacher, Widow Smack. He vows revenge. Big Kells has disappeared, and Tim wants to help his mother, so he seeks out the Covenant Man again, but finds only his wand. With the Covenant Man's wand and a pail of water, Tim is able to see himself giving his mother an item which repairs her vision. The person that gave Tim the item in the vision is Merlin, a powerful wizard. Tim tells Widow Smack of his plans to find Merlin, and she warns him not to go, but gives him a rifle because she knows she cannot convince him otherwise. Tim then sets out into the endless forest to find Merlin. Along the way, he is tricked by a Sieg, who leads him onto an island where he's almost killed by a dragon. While being jeered on by the mudmen across the lake, Tim kills a monster with his rifle, and the mudmen then believe he is a gunslinger. They help him off the island and give him a device from the old people. Tim then uses the device to lead him toward Merlin. Along the way, he sees a dozen Billy Bumblers doing a dance that forewarns a Stark Blast. He rushes to his destination and finds a tiger with a key around his neck locked in a cage. Tim then figures out he has to kill the tiger if he wants access to a place of shelter from the Stark Blast. Instead, he saves the tiger, and the tiger shows him a magic piece of cloth that grows and shields him from the Stark Blast. Tim also picks up a feather and a bottle. The tiger urges Tim to drip some of the liquid in the bottle into his mouth. After Tim does so, the tiger turns into Merlin. Merlin tells Tim to use the rest of the liquid on his mother's eyes and to give her his father's axe immediately after when he returns home. He is then flown home by the use of the feather and the cloth. Once home, he gives his mother the antidote and his father's axe. His mother is cured and Tim goes downstairs to tell Widow Smack. He thinks that she is asleep, but discovers her with her throat slit. Tim is about to scream when Big Kells starts to choke him. Just as Tim thinks he's going to die, his mother cuts Kells' head open with the axe. After Roland finishes his story, they line up all the suspects. They take the ones with the blue ring on their ankle and take them into the jail. They then find out who the skin man was, but he turns into a giant snake and kills a few people before Roland puts a silver bullet in its head. This concludes Roland's story. After Roland's story, the Cotet packs up and leaves their shelter with the Stark Blast blown over. They all think separately on Roland's story and continue towards Thunderclap. Okay, so that was awesome. I enjoyed this so much more than I thought I was going to. For some reason, yeah. Went Through the Keyhole always felt to me like this unnecessary, whatever, Dark Tower book that Stephen King just kind of wrote, and it's there, but it's... I was actually surprised when I when I bought my box set that it was included in it. 
because I just what did you think it was a story of I don't know I thought it was just I knew it was Roland telling a story but I thought it had more to do with like him and Gilead like mm. Now, I didn't think it was going to be this big, fantastical fairy tale adventure, parable thing that like... Oh, parable. That's a good word for it. If you didn't think you could get more explanation behind Roland's backstory, there's just more of it now, like more of why he feels the way he does. Like it's one of the first gunslingers. Like it's just, it's like a legendary gunslinger too. Like, I love that part where Billy says like, I'm going to be like Tim... What's what's his Stout name? Stoutheart, Stout, Stouthand, Stoutheart, something Stout like that. Stoutheart, something like that. Yeah. I'm gonna be like Tim Stoutheart, and even Jamie DeCurry is just like, all right, cool. Yeah, I know what that is. Like this yeah, is yeah. yeah, everybody knows that that guy's awesome. So it was just really nice um, to see more of Roland. It was cool to get a first person story from Roland. I was really happy to see that that's what it was going to be, um, because Same. Wizard and Glass is Roland telling the story about Susan Delgado and Mages and stuff, but it's all third person. So. That's that's great. It's fine, but having this, it felt just more intimate. Like I was actually sitting there listening to Roland tell the yeah, story. Yeah, like around the crackling hearth uh, with the wind gusting outside. Yeah, and, and Roland loves the wind. I do yeah, too. It's just so good. I had such a nice, vivid image in my head of, um, you know, and by this time, I've spent so much time with Roland and Oi and Jake and Susanna that I could just see all of them sitting around this fire with the storm going outside. Such an Facing awesome inward. way to structure this book is. Like they have to run away from a storm. The Stark Blast is awesome. I love the way it's described with like the, the trees snapping like gunshots. Like imploding because they're freezing from the moisture inside. So cool. And then they're all sitting around this campfire, essentially, and Roland tells them a story. And then not only is he telling them a story, he tells another story inside Within of that the story. story. Oh, boy. Oh, man. I agree with everything you just said. It was so fresh and parables the right word it starts as a parable then the story within the story is a fairy tale that just fills in like some backstory and i feel like that was the most fantasiest that this books have been you know like there was dragons and a swamp and magic wands and a carpet magic carpet ride a tiger that turns into a wizard yeah <laughs> so cool yeah um i was definitely i, I love that part where the mud men come across the swamp and they have like this carcass of something and then they like hold it over the side of the boat and then this dragon claw just yeah. like creeps out and then it says like it sunk back in like silently i love that but it comes so out much. just so silent yeah it's just like thank you for this i am the dragon yes. of this swamp i, I will not kill you and eat your children <laughs> now and then the kid is like tim is like well i now know how to get past a dragon <laughs> yeah there was there was nothing really in here that i took issue with at all ex except for a second there i was kind of like all right i like this but why does this have anything to do with the dark tower i'm glad it's happening like i'm glad that that was kind of like my misgiving i was carrying through a little bit of the book and then mm. there's that really cool part where merlin like uh, billy asks like who turned you into a tiger like what's this whole situation was it the the man in black was it the covenant man and merlin's just like no it wasn't that guy no. that guy couldn't do that but there he is he serves a, a far greater right, evil. yeah but there is a, a crimson king though you know and so it was kind of nice to see that kind of tying together and it and it's funny because the way that roland kind of tells the story about tim and the wind through the keyhole and everything this is an old story so the crimson it kind of like put the crimson king into a little bit more perspective you know and the man right. in black for that matter as well you know like the man in black is like this kind of co like consistent constant evil presence that's serving the crimson king no, he's more just of a had a taste prankster of yeah hobbyist it, 
an employee. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I feel like it, the the man in black that we get to know and hate is not a prank. He's not just having fun. You know, he is very driven and has he's very goal oriented, you know, where this guy is just like he has hobbies of tax collecting. And yeah, like he th- he, he thinks that this kid is pretty intriguing, but also like pretty fine with him dying horribly to luring him to the forest and having him be killed so the first thing that struck me when i started this book was the joy to which steven returned to his characters how long was it between he finished the dark tower series and when he wrote this uh i'm not sure like four years i think i think this came out in like 2011 or 2012 Okay, that that rings. It's hard for me to not talk in high speak. It's like I want to be like that rings true. Don't do it. You can talk in high. That's fine. Uh, That's twenty twelve. Yeah, twenty twelve. So like five years after the Dark Tower seven. Well, I'm glad the Mayan calendar didn't mess that one up for us because this world would be a darker place without this book. Oh wow, no, it's eight years out. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. The seven. There's eight years between. So the Dark Tower seven came out in two thousand four. I thought it came out in two thousand seven. There's like a clear. Like, hello, old friends yeah. that this book is like riddled with. And especially in those first like 20 pages, he really hits on all of their like character yeah. strengths, like really hard. He's using that high speech, like very thoroughly. Um, you can tell he's just so glad to be back with his old quartet. And it had only been two days for me and I was glad to be back. But I kind of like I felt the joy in the writing and that was just, I don't know, made it all that much more special, you know? I'd be so excited if he put something else out too. Like maybe that part, there's like a little part where uh, Eddie and Roland and Susanna are just traveling. They haven't gotten Jake yet, but they're still kind of, there's like a lot of days of just them traveling in the wastelands before they get to Jake and pull them back through. Something in there would be cool, but obviously we wouldn't have Jake and Oi who are essential, you know. Totally. But- there's such like an old feeling to this world that Stephen King has created. Like everything is breaking and falling to pieces. And, you know, there's only one wizened old man waiting to take him across the river on a boat that's 90 feet by 90 feet, by the way. I was like, what? that is a huge craft. Like, wow. Uh, but it just goes to show like the number of people that used to live in this area and the forces that it used to um ferry across you know like if you look at everything from the right angle it just serves this depth and this old ancient feeling that this world had and i don't know how the old man survived the stark blast i was gonna ask you like do you think he did because i, I liked bix i know i don't think he did either yeah i think that was kind of his last man mission to get him but across i don't there. know no, who he's knows? lived in that area for a while like maybe he's got the stark stark blast on you know yeah he's fine totally. Bix is fine Yep. Now, I will say King, you know, he writes a very fun, happy book, but he never fails to remind us that Susanna is pregnant. At one point, he brings her up like, and it'll be not very long before she's crawling through the swamp eating frogs alive. You're like, okay, man, we get it. Can we just have a happy little corner here for a second? absolutely not. Yeah. And then there's some pretty gross parts in here, too. Like that part where the mud man, like his, like a boil explodes on his chest and then a spider crawls out and then he like flicks the spider away and then reaches in and grabs eggs out of his chest i'm always eating i'm Uh, always eating man i was was eating burritos which is like kind of a sacky food you know and it was just (laughs) oh man it's always just so so terrible okay so i've got a few questions here one, I want to know what you think about the technology that allowed the Skinwalker to actually tra- change. Like, we never got into 
what is the mechanism besides like a watch that's allowing him to do these things? What's motivating him? Was it just like a an ancient sigil of evil? What are your thoughts? Um, I wasn't super clear on that either. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it was left uh, intentionally mysterious. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I just really like, don't know. Did this thing change that miner into being evil or was he just like an a-hole old cuss to begin with? If you remember, there was like a hole that they opened up because right. they had found like a new green ore light. deposit. Yeah. And then there was this green light. And then one of the other miners, like that older guy was like, I knew it was like you opened up, you were fucking around in there. And so it seems like um, one of the miners had kind of messed with whatever that was, like that green light in there. Um and maybe it was one deep. of the maybe it was one of the um like Merlin's rainbow orbs, like the green one. Oh. Yeah, I mean they mentioned that or Roland does that there's some like ancient artifacts. It's all spelled with like a Y or something, you know, that could be unearthed. And I think that's kind of what it is, but I didn't know if there was some piece of lore that I was missing that was like, oh no, this was actually that thing. I'm thinking it's like the green light was one of the um, spheres of Merlin's rainbow. I could be wrong about that, but it sounds Ooh. like something that sounds that's a, that makes sense that, to me. That sounds pretty legit. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> like maybe not, but why is the tax collector called the Covenant Man? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, like maybe paying taxes is a sort of covenant with the uh, the community. Or fulfilling something. a promise, I guess. I don't know. Um, I'm not huh. really sure why he was called that. And he is the man in black i think so yeah, yeah. i don't okay. I, I was i was kind of suspicious like i did i was kind of like i don't know if I, I thought it was merlin at first same um which doesn't really it's not super consistent with like gunslinger lore so it it was nice that it wasn't um and i, I was kind of like is this the man in black I, I don't know but then merlin pretty much confirms it you know it's, it's like uh the man with like the initials rf or something like that i think that's he says something like that um and then saying like, oh, yeah, that guy is not that big of a deal, but he serves a much greater evil. And I was like, OK, I'm pretty sure that's a man in black. Yeah, right. The the evil to which he was prescribed by the like old um, healer woman who comes to help his mother. She was the one who kind of keyed me off to the fact that he was probably the man in black. So do you think that he was really just playing a prank on the kiddo and just was like, OK, little sing? Yeah, fairy, um, malicious little fairy thing. Let's just play a trick on this kid and lure him out into the swamp for like no reason, just to kill him. Like, All right, so there's probably something in the text that maybe I missed or something. But from as as far as I could tell, uh, he was intrigued with this kid. He saw some gumption in him, and he's you know, he, like the kid is has the makings of a gunslinger. And I think there's just something different about those kinds of kids. Um, so he saw something in him. Maybe he did want the kid to die because he saw. Uh, there was a gunslinger hmm. in this kid. Uh, maybe this kid was going to be the one to get to the tower and and deal with the Crimson King or something like that, right? Maybe he's always Stamp supposed to be on the young. yeah, like maybe he's always supposed to be on the lookout for kids like this. But yeah. I think that um, the Sig, like the fairy, was him literally trying to get the kid to go into the swamp and die, like get killed by a dragon or some kind of monster or something. And then the Mud Men were not in like part of that plan, you know. Um, so that's that's how I'm looking at it, at least. Uh, I don't know, like the the man in black has got weird motives throughout the entire series. So, yeah, like I said, in this, it seems like he doesn't he's not so goal oriented. He's more of just like a hobbyist, like he t collects taxes for a hobby. He just kind of you know, 
maybe he's like spying on that whole maybe it's like the taxes are like a way for him to always be on the lookout for like uh, gunslingers or something or always be on the lookout for someone that could be a threat to the crimson king because uh, like there are these kind of like communities that are at this point in time not necessarily thriving but they're there you know and, right um you'd think that like this like the son of a man who like works with ironwood trees out in like a really dangerous forest it's like maybe keep an eye on those people because they've got quite a bit of chutzpah if you will yes yes <laughs> it's also a very good way to stay like trig with what community what the happens happenings of the communities right is like who has the money like who's paying the most taxes like you can tell a lot about a community by who has the money where's it coming from who has more than they had last year what happened you know kind of put some pieces together there well um and also i think that this is a fairy tale first and foremost at least the way that roland's telling it and so with fairy tales with a lot of fairy tales there's a whole lot of things that just kind of happen and think people are just in places and doing things and it's not really focused on why they're there or what their like previous motives were or whatever they're just there so there's just like mm -hmm. in hansel and gretel it's like there's a witch in the forest and it's not like okay well where did that witch come from she's just there you know what i mean right. and so like and that's like, a good point actually yeah, like, where did like, the witch come from like nah. yeah exactly you wouldn't need to know that stuff so i well, think you that, need to go uh, read a uh, witch in the high tower Witch in the uh, winter night. Oh, winter that. night. You need to read winter night. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, what the hell book is that? It's like the second one, the only one that came to mind. But that's funny because, um, because of the nature of fairy tales being so vague on a lot of details, especially like the really old ones, like Brothers Grimm and Hans Christian Andersen and stuff, people have then, you know, said, okay, well, what about this? And then written whole fairy tale retellings of that. So there's like, you know, uh, there's like that book, Lost Boy that is kind of like from captain hook's perspective when he was oh, yeah. in when he was in the lost boys and like peter pan's like kind of an asshole so he leaves the lost boys uh so that's like really cool it's a cool idea and there's been all kinds of different fairy tale retellings and things like that because of a lot of the gaps that are in those older fairy tales so it made it feel that much more like a fairy tale that things were just kind of happening you know i thought that yeah uh, Tim's dad was actually killed by a dragon and I was like is this kid gonna have to kill a dragon this is gonna be awesome but then I remembered like the tiger thing and I was like when does the tiger come into play though like that's weird mm -hmm. did you what did you think about like the skin changer having at one point changed into a tiger like I don't know if that was because so the the skin changer seems like it, it changed into like an like a walking like alligator at one point it was I mean I guess all alligators walk I think it was like a bipedal alligator. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. You know yeah I, mean? I mean, there's a difference between like, <laughs> I think they crawl. They always crawl. You whatever. Know, crawl. Uh, but then it's like a bear, and then there's like a snake version of it. There's a big cat version of it. I was um, waiting for the turtle. Put them, put them, put them, put them, put Turtle or hippo. Because hippos So really do you think mean. that he, oh, yeah, dude, hippos have like play more lives than like any yeah. other mammal? Wow. What were you going to ask? Uh, do you think that there was like a, a nod to each one of the animals know. that he turns into was uh, representing a beam animal, a beam protector? I think maybe. Um, Is there an I alligator? I don't think there's an alligator beam. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's an elephant beam. It's okay. Cool. It's a bat beam. And they seemed, they were on the, the beam of the, yeah, there's a bat and a oh, rat. Oh, really? Huh. Um, wow. Interesting. But they, in the story, in the story of, uh, in the wind through the keyhole, uh, I think they're on the beam of the lion or like the big cat or whatever. Yeah, they're um, on the beam of the tiger that goes through to the eagle, I think is on the other side. I think it's lion to eagle, but the lion can be like 
is a big cat. But the the lion's name is Aslan, which I thought was really interesting yeah. too. Oh, yeah. Was a, yeah, totally. It's funny though, because uh, the bear for the bear beam, like the guardian, is named Shardik. And that's from a Richard Adams story. So it's funny oh. that he did that. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, he gives like um kind of like a little fan service to other people's stories. Sometimes yeah. like he has Merlin mentioned, uh, you know, as as someone said in a long in a place like far from now, you know, we're not in Kansas anymore. Or no, there's no place like home. Or he says yeah, something totally. too. Yeah. Yeah, it's a not the um, Wizard of Oz. Yeah, which was really cool. I loved how at the end, like I feel like it was kind of similar to Akatar being like and she's a fae who will live forever now problem solved being like and here's a feather and a flying carpet and you're home Ba-ding. Yep. <laughs> let's get you, you home immediately yeah yes. I don't know, fine with it we need to wrap it totally up. fine with it yeah. yeah I don't need him trudging through the blasted <laughs> down forest um, seeing the whole like murdered tribe or imploded tribe yeah that just would have been sad yeah. um did you were you on to the axe thing immediately? Like when he was like stressing, like make sure you give her the axe oh, immediately. Yeah. I, I was like, exactly she is killing. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It really tied the story up pretty well, though. She got like her revenge, I guess you could say, um, mm-hmm. for being abused like that. It, it buttoned up pretty well. I was sad to see his teacher die. I liked her. She was cool. Yeah. Uh, Widow same. Smack. Um, I really like that conversation between Widow Smack and Tim, where you know Widow Smack is basically just like, this is a really awful idea like you're you're probably gonna die and tim doesn't care so she gives him the pistol and then or the four shot or whatever and um i love that little part at the very end of that the little page break there where tim says we send me on with a blessing and then widow smack yeah. says no nah, like i'm not gonna do that and then he leaves and then she does it anyway but but he, he just can't hear her but i thought that was great that was really nice Okay, so I want to know your thoughts uh, after I give you my thoughts <laughs> about uh, Merlin. I was a little disappointed with Merlin. Um, I, I just wanted more. I just wanted more of him. Yeah. He's, maybe that's kind of the mystique around Merlin because he kind of talked for it. was like a kid meeting Santa Claus, you know? It's just like, how much Santa Claus can I get in this scene? You yeah. know, I want as much as possible. I want to know all the mysteries of the North Pole. Like, let's go. And Merlin was just kind of like, aha, you freed me. So right. you've got the it's, makings of a gunslinger about you. So uh, yeah, uh, yep, yep, yep. Like, let's see ya. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being nitpicky, but I just wanted like, I could, I could have used like 50 pages of Merlin, like <laughs> them going on like another adventure together or something. Like, I yeah, or him being freed for like a purpose that I was aware of, because it kind of just seemed like he was like, I was tired of being a tiger anyway. Thanks. But it was like, are you doing anything? Like, he like gave him the liquid that was like tied around the tiger's neck, right? And so, right. like the the tiger wouldn't have been able to get at it. You know what I mean? Oh, I know that. I'm just saying, oh, like, yeah, yeah. he didn't have anything to like. Thank you for freeing me. I have to go rescue the princess now. Oh, or like Merlin no, was wasn't just setting off out. to do it. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah, was just I like, yeah, no, I was tired of like, like looking that myself. That sucked. Yeah, that being a tiger yeah. was lame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> at that point, was lame. Because at that point, he had already kind of, like, trained Arthur Eld, right? And so, like, what else is Merlin getting up to? Yeah. And, like, why wasn't Merlin involved? Because he doesn't seem to, like, age super hard or anything. Like, I don't think he died, really. So, like, why wasn't Merlin more involved with, like, the Cotet and the Dark Tower and stuff? I don't know. know. Maybe him dying was, like, one of the true things that really, really set the world on its downward spiral. Yeah. One of the things I also thought was... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, it said magic left the world. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. 
I mean, he Merlin kind of marks in a lot of stories magic leaving the world. Like the time of the Fae is now over, you know, because Merlin was like of the Fae. Um, anyway, another thing that I thought was a little unmeaningful, not not awesome, but just like could have been a little more or maybe I just wanted more was who the skin man was. He was just some like random minor number three. Yeah, but I think that I, I, I totally hear what you're saying. I think that it was proportionate to the job that Roland and Jamie had. You know what I mean? Like it couldn't. Okay. Like, they're still like really young gunslingers and they just had all this stuff go down in Magus. And it was like, it was something that Roland had never really brought up before. Like it's not like the Battle of Jericho Hill or this big giant story of him and Magus with Susan Delgado or something. It's kind of like a yeah. side quest, like side it story. Side kind quest. Of, it was a side quest. So it's like, it, it kind of, I see what you mean that it, it, it felt like the, if, if the skinwalker had been, someone of more consequence yeah like it would have been cooler but at the same time like it kind of makes sense for the mission that was set like even steven deshane was like you guys can handle this like i don't it was like the mission that magus was supposed to be well not really actually no no i'm wrong because uh magus was supposed to be a place for them to just kind of go hang out for a little while right to get away from exactly yeah they weren't supposed to yeah or no they were it was to get away from um randall flag and just like the whole oh, situation right. happening at Gilead, um, and and Roland had just um, kind of like bested Court, in a, in order to like show that he was able, he was ready to take on Randall Flag. At least that's how I looked at it. And then Stephen Deshane was basically like, "You guys got to get out of here because this is getting heated." You know, you, and you are just, not just, ready. You are not ready for this. Like, get out of here for a little while. And then they just happened to stumble in in Magus into a situation that was way over their heads, but they prevailed anyway. But so it's not super similar, but then with this is this is like a side quest. This is like, you know, they're going out. They're just gonna take care of a skinwalker real quick. Oh, it was one of the miners. You know, it was like a Scooby Doo right. mystery. So well, it was like a Scooby Doo. Was mystery. it though? Like a, I keep contradicting like a really myself. One. Well, was it a Scooby Doo mystery? Because I feel like in Scooby Doo mysteries, it's always like it was the sheriff. You know, what I mean? like oh, yeah, you yeah, just yeah, said. Right. So yeah, I, that's the second time I contradicted myself. It was like that one like, guy we've never met before. But whatever. I mean, you you weren't meaning that in that that way. It was just like a. It, it didn't have any deeper meaning than what it was. Yeah, and also, yeah, yeah. I I really love how. The the concept of the gunslingers are so freaking awesome. Like they just like they even call what they do going on quests. Like I'm not ready for a <laughs> quest yet, father. Like they're just so role playy, and I love it so much. Yeah, they're knights. Yeah, they're they're, like they're literally sent out to go deal with stuff in the country. I loved it when Roland and Jamie met up with the sheriff, and Roland was kind of like going through the motions of what he needed to ask the sheriff in order for them to be able to do the thing that they were assigned to do and the sheriff was just like yar 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 yeah 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 yeah, it's yar, fun. yeah i loved this the the sheriff's story of uh, how him and steven deshane had been like kind of close and shared this experience together and it really kind of like i don't know i felt like really happy to hear about that like oh this is a little tiny adventure of roland's dad and roland was really excited to hear it because he hadn't ever heard any stories about his dad it's like a, a kind of a messed up story that was his dad like sacrificing like these like 10 guys as bait like what are you waiting for but the they guns. wanted to go they wanted to <laughs> go know. you know like <laughs> but i love when roland i went not when roland when steven gets into the cave and he says like all right wake up i don't want any of you to die while you're sleeping <laughs> yeah he like so gives him a fighting ass. chance it's so like, cool oh my god it's so awesome i i want a steven to i'd be so mad at you 
if we were in that situation, you're like, well, I didn't want to shoot them while they were sleeping. I was like, are you kidding me, Evan? We should have slit their throats while they were sleeping. No, that's so honorable. So awesome. It is so honorable. All right, so this is kind of like my parting uh, thing to say about this book. Um, as much as I really liked it, I think I would have liked even more if this was a story about the Battle of Jericho Hill that where Roland lost Cuthbert and Elaine because I didn't really care for Jamie DeCurry like at all. He, I, right. I don't know why. Nor do I now even. Like if, if there was one way that in my opinion, this book would have really improved as if it was Cuthbert. And I think that like, there's multiple parts where Roland is glad that he brought Jamie and I totally understand that. But I just, as for me, the reader, the constant reader, I really wish it had been Cuthbert or even Elaine because I had already spent time with them. And There's just, multiple times he wishes it was them too, though. Oh yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. Jamie just I didn't agree. really do it for me, and I just wish that it had been Cuthbert or Len, because I just know who they are and I know what their temperaments are like. And Jamie didn't really seem to have a temperament; like he just kind of was there, you know. So I kept forgetting that he was young. Even I kept yeah. thinking of he was an old man, you know, this quiet <laughs> old guy. Yeah, I don't know. Um, like like I said, like I loved this. I thought it was awesome. It was a really fitting story for Roland to tell. The wind kind of reminded Roland of it. He had been, it seemed like he had been kind of thinking about it anyway. Um, and so it was, it was like a thing for him to get off his chest. And it was just really entertaining for the quartet, obviously, and for me, the reader. But I don't know. I just, maybe I just want everything. I want all of Roland's backstory. And, you know, the, the Battle of Jericho Hill is referenced so many times so over many the course times. of these books. And we just, I want to see the whole thing play out because in my head, it's just very fuzzy and I don't really That's know what, the what next happened. Book should be. That would be really cool. I don't yeah, know where we they get, We it. did get to learn that his mother forgave him, which was nice. That was really nice. I'm glad you remembered that because that was super important. Yeah. Um, that was like the very, very last part of the book too, which I thought was sweet. And Roland like, is he crying? Yeah, I don't know. It was, it was great. It was, it yeah, was awesome. and I like how he like he played with the note and unfolded it and unfolded it so many times until it became like dust in his hands and uh, he just drifted away. You know, just. Uh. All right. So you had one so last good. quote for this. You said yes. Cool. So you know, as we come to a completion of our dark tower, I am sad but very ready to move on. This was the perfect off ramp, and the quote that I want to end with was. Time was a face on the water, and like the great river before them, it did nothing but flow, as yeah. we shall as well. But I wish time would stop. I know. We could, and we could just read The Dark Tower a hundred times over. I think we over. soaked in what we had, in the time we had with The yeah. Dark Tower, I think we soaked and got what out of it we could, and, <laughs> like and man, I'll never of... be sad about it. <laughs> Yeah, we got a lot of content out of this and a lot of cool, awesome conversations that I would not have had without you. I mean, yeah, some uh, chummy brain juice, too. Oh, absolutely. I was so sad. I mean, like every... So I've got the Dark Tower series on my shelf, and every time I'm reading one, I obviously take it off the shelf and there's a little gap, uh, and the gap has been slowly moving to the right, but now that last gap has been filled, and the entire series is once again on my shelf. And uh, yep. I don't know, it was it was pretty sad putting the wind through the keyhole all the way at the end there, and... Actually, no, I put it between, in its rightful place, Me between too. 4 and 4. 5. 5. That's where it's supposed I to be. I don't know where I'm even going to put mine, because I've had it sitting in the pink chair behind me. It's kind of like the on-deck spot, yeah. and I don't know, I don't really have space, but you it like, deserves a, a position of honor. Well, 
I think that's going to do it for us, everybody. Thank you for following us on our Dark Tower journey. This might be the Thank first you. episode that you've listened to if you only read Wind Through the Keyhole as a standalone. But if that is the case, definitely, definitely go back and read all seven of the Dark Tower books. They're incredible. Listen to the podcast we made about them because they're long and it's mostly a cornerstone of fantasy. Yeah, it's imp- uh, it's so brilliant. It's so incredible. And it's time to actually say goodbye to Roland and Jake and Eddie and Oi and Susanna and Father Oi. Callahan and John Collum and weirdo Stephen King, kind of meta Stephen King guy. Meta King. And Meta King and um, everybody else. And damn. Ah! Yeah. I hate this. I hate it so much. But we're moving on. We're, mo- we're going to read a bunch of other really cool books. Got some exciting Oof. things coming. All right. Let's go. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode and all of our previous Dark Tower episodes. This was a really nice just dessert after the giant meal that was the Dark Tower. And a chat, as we've always said on all these episodes, long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. Everybody, hope you have an awesome rest of your day. And of course, happy reading. Bye, everybody.